today's passage is Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 45. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 45. And if you have it, if you could please stand for the reading and reverence of God's word. I'll read it for us if you can follow along. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. I pray that as we hear this word, that you would speak to us uh, personally. I pray, Lord, that the more we seek after you, the more we would follow you, and the more we would follow you, the more we would become like you. Help us truly to become imitators of you. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Today's sermon title is called uh, Imitate Jesus. You know, I was, uh, I was reading an article uh, that talked about how children imitate their parents. Um, and it can honestly be so uh, scary how much of a reflection uh, a child can be of their parents. Um, we know that they can copy some of the same mannerisms. They can pick up a lot of the same habits. Uh, and a lot of times without the parent even realizing, they'll pick up the good, yes, but they'll also pick up the bad. And regardless of whether you are a parent or not, I think we can all attest to the fact that children are like sponges, little poopy sponges, right? You see, the truth of parenting is this, that children don't just follow after their parents, they start to become like their parents. There is no greater influence in who the child becomes than the parent that they follow. In the Bible, it says that we are children of God. And I don't think it's coincidence that the Bible says repeatedly to imitate Christ. In fact, throughout the book of Galatians, we've talked about this week after week. It says that when we follow after Christ, it will be inevitable that we become more and more like him. See, as I was preparing for what to speak about, this principle has been on my mind. Because we learned a lot about what to believe in and how we should kind of move forward with that. And yet, one thing that has been on my mind again and again 
is that for us as Christians, if we really truly believe in Jesus Christ, then the first step we need to do is follow him, and then when we follow him, we must become like him. And so it just made sense to me that as we continue to move forward, that we would learn about the life of Jesus Christ. Because what better way to imitate Christ than to see what he did in his life? So what I want to do as we look into this passage is just see two things, very simple. There's two things that Jesus does. And the first one is how he prioritizes prayer. Above everything else, for him, he prioritizes prayer. And the other thing is that when he heals and when he cleanses, when he cleanses, he cleanses entirely and completely. And then after that, the only thing I want to look at is how this kind of applies to us, right? The priority of prayer and the completeness in healing. Now first, his priority in prayer. Verses 35 to 37, let me read it to you. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, why is Simon saying everyone is looking for you? Right before this passage, it says that Jesus was doing a multitude of healings. It says that people from all over, it says that the entire city was coming out to be healed by him. And they were beginning to realize who he was. His ministry was in full force. And for, him, for his disciples, they knew that there was this huge opportunity that was in front of them. That finally they could see what everyone else was seeing. That they could finally witness how great Jesus was. That there was this huge opportunity that was in front of them to achieve something so huge. And yet, Jesus' response to that time of extreme busyness. Jesus' response to a time of tremendous opportunity was to go out in solitude and pray. For Jesus, you see, the busier he was, the more he prayed. The greater the opportunity, the greater of length of time he prayed. For us, we can be impatient because opportunities that come into our life may seem like once in a lifetime. And so what ends up happening is we push prayer to the side and we act first. But church, I think it's so important to understand our example of Jesus Christ. That for him, he was standing in the middle of an opportunity that could literally change the course of history. And yet the first step that he made was not to go out and heal, was not to move forward and do anything. It was to go out in solitude and to pray. He prioritized prayer above everything else. See, church, I think this is going to be so important for us because when we prioritize prayer, we are saying to the Lord that we understand the importance of it as well. Prayer, 
you see, it reorients our heart towards God. We don't, we don't see exactly what Jesus prays in this passage, but he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And what we know about the Lord's Prayer is that the first thing he says isn't give us our daily bread. It isn't lead us from temptation. It isn't any of these other things. The very first thing he says is our Father. It's not our God. It's not our Lord. It's our Father. Because what he's trying to help us understand is that it is through prayer that we understand our relationship with God. And our relationship with God is that he is our father and we are his children. You see, that the Lord of the universe would love us so much to the point that he would come down to earth and that he would die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says that if we are able to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give to us? I think a lot of times when we look at opposition and we look, when we look at difficulties and trials in our lives, we can automatically get into the mindset that God is against us, that he is fighting against us. And yet what the Bible says again and again is that we are his children and he is our father and that he loves us and cares for us. And that as much as we are for him, he is also for us, that he is working for our joy as well. That those things are interlinked with one another. And when we say our father who are in heaven, when we say our God who is also our father, what we are trying to reorient our minds to is saying our relationship with you is not just one of a distant God, it's one of a father who truly and deeply loves his children. That even in the hardships of life, that even in the difficulties of the things that is coming, that he is taking care of us, that he is protecting us like a true father would for his son and for his daughter. You see, that is what prioritizes prayer. That is the importance of prayer, church. What does this mean for us? There is nothing more important than prayer. Look, if Jesus, who was the Son of God, knew that he needed more prayer as his opportunities and as his ministry grew, how much more should we be praying when we see things coming up in our lives? Many of us are facing opportunities that we think may be once in a lifetime. But church, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you in this, that you are not going to lose out on what God has called you to if you prioritize prayer. In fact, you will only be more at peace and you will only be less anxious if you move forward with prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead pray and give your requests to God. Man, what we know is that busyness is not always a blessing. It says here that Jesus went out to the desolate places to pray. In the Greek, that word desolate is also the same word that they use for wilderness. And for us, a lot of times we think that a lack of doing things, 
that a time of idleness, that a time of stillness is a sign that things are wrong, that a sign that things are being stalled, that a sign of things for us, of, of things falling apart. And yet, maybe it's that God is pushing us into the wilderness, that God is asking us to go into the desolate places so that we can grow closer to him. If Jesus saw opportunities in front of him, and yet he purposefully went out into the wilderness to pray and to grow closer to him, what should we do as well? And after Jesus prayed, it says a leper came to him and asked to be clean. Verse 41 says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hands and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. In this verse here, we see that Jesus had completeness in his cleaning. He had completeness in his healing. You know, historians, they say that uh, leprosy was first found in Egypt. In fact, they say that leprosy was found on an excavated mummy, that the bacteria of leprosy was actually uh, mummified along with the person there. And it was a terrible condition the more you read about it and the more you study it. And in, it, and in Israel, what we find out is that leprosy was actually pretty common. But it wasn't just a disease. Leprosy encompassed your entire life. It was something that destroyed you physically. It was something that destroyed you socially. And it was something that destroyed you spiritually. You see, physically, leprosy meant that you were literally falling apart. It was a skin disease that would wear out the limbs and it would cause the immune system to fail. Socially, it was contagious. And it was passed through bodily contact and even through the clothes of somebody. And so that's why lepers had to stay out in desolate places away from the city and be alone at all times. We know that babies will die without physical contact. And yet lepers had to live their entire lives without any form of physical touch. In fact... It says in the Bible that if they saw anyone approaching them, they would have to yell out, unclean, 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 to warn the other person that they were a leper. Spiritually, they were cut off. They couldn't enter the temple. They were barred from Jerusalem. And they were considered cursed by God. Lepers were considered the worst of society, and anyone who associated with them, anyone who even came close to them, were willing to destroy their own reputation. And yet, it says here that Jesus reaches out and touches them. Did Jesus need to touch him in order to heal him? The answer is no. Because we read again and again that Jesus is able to heal with just a single word or even a single thought. 
And yet here in this passage, we read that Jesus, he reaches out, touches the leper, and says, be clean. You see, the reason why Jesus touches the leper is because it was a touch of compassion. He touches him, and through his touch, Jesus shows his love. Jesus doesn't simply say, you know what, spiritually, okay, I'm going to heal you that way. He doesn't say, okay, you know what, socially, I'll try to make you better. He can see every aspect of what the leper needs, and he, under, and he understands every point of where he needs healing. And so he reaches out in every aspect, and he heals him. And this is what Jesus is able to do, is that he is not only a savior of one aspect of your life, he is the savior of every single part of you. That he is complete in his healing, that he is complete in his salvation, that he is complete in his cleansing for you from the very top to the very bottom. And that means physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every single way. See, Jesus does not just heal one part and ignore the rest. He saves all of it. What does this mean for us then? You see, he ministers to him physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Church, we are called to do the same for one another. It's good to give biblical words. It's good to minister to each other's soul through praying and fasting and all of those things. But when was the last time that you just asked how they were doing? I think for a lot of us, we can be so focused on one aspect that we completely forget about the others. But we have to understand that we need to come in this in a holistic type of way because Jesus never tried to focus solely on one aspect. He focused on the entirety of the human. And that's what we're called to do as well in every aspect. Many of us can know intimately where we, where each other are in our Bible reading plans. And yet for so many of us, we don't know what our favorite foods are. And for a lot of us, we can try to understand these different aspects. And yet, when was the last time we just tried to strike up a conversation? I think now is the best time to do that. I don't know how many times I've been able to counsel people through this time, and the hardest thing that they're struggling with is loneliness. That they're just lonely, that they just want someone to be around, that they just want someone to talk to. And more than just simply praying, yes, priority of prayer is of most importance, yes. But in every other aspect, how can we give and serve and love one another? Church, this also means that we need to think of what kind of church Shining Star is going to be. How can we best embody the life of Jesus into ourselves and into this church Shining Star? Is it enough to preach once a week and talk about the Bible, or do we need to do more? And I think, man, this has been something that's been on my heart a lot recently, too. And I think God maybe has been pushing this out more on me because of this time. 
that is not just about preaching the word. He's been saying, Danny, it's not just about teaching the word. What are you going to do about it? I talked last week about how churches, they focus so much on the social justice and action part that they forget about who Jesus is and what he did for us. And yet, on the flip side, are churches that talk a lot and yet do nothing. And so what I want to ask for you guys, and I want to challenge for us as a church, as members of this body, as people coming together, is how do we stay gospel-centered and yet at the same time be action-oriented? Because I think that's what God has called us to do. Not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. That yes, our basis, our foundation is in who Jesus Christ is, but it doesn't just stop there. We need to move out and we need to do things about it. We need to be able to preach well and teach well, but also minister to the physical and emotional needs of our congregation, to our brothers and sisters, and to the greater world around us. How do we do that effectively? That's been on my heart. And I don't have a specific answer right now. Because I want to challenge us together as a church and pushing forward and living that out step by step. See, church, Jesus, Jesus, he showed us the priority of prayer. He showed us the completeness of healing. And what I think is important to understand is where we are in all of this. Because church, I think we can have the misconception that in this story we are Jesus when in fact we are the leper. We are unclean in every aspect. And although we try and we can do our best, we can never be clean on our own. But look at the words in verse 40. It says, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. We said before that the leper is not allowed into the city. We said before that a leper is not allowed to come towards the crowds. He's not allowed to meet any person. If he ever comes anywhere close, he needs to yell out those words, unclean. And yet this leper we see runs up to Jesus when we know that he has probably filled with a bunch of other people around him. He kneels before him and he asks to be clean. This leper is breaking all of the rules by coming up to Jesus. Because we know if Jesus didn't say or do anything, by law the leper should die for what he did. You see, not only is this leper showing his action, look at what he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't say, if you don't do this, I'm going to die, Jesus. He doesn't say, look, I'm kneeling before you, so man, can you just, you need to help me. He doesn't say anything. He says, if you are willing, if you want to, then you can make me clean. He's saying something very simple, church. He's saying, I trust you. I'm willing to lay my life down here. I'm willing to give it to you. I'm willing to kneel down. And so God, do what you think is best. Whatever you desire, whatever you command, I will 
follow. My needs do not come first, your needs do. My wants do not come first, your wants do. I have talked to a lot of people about Christianity. And the one thing they always say is, look, if I have to follow Jesus, does that mean that I have to give up this? If I want to follow Jesus, does that mean that I have to do this? And what they're simply saying is, look, can I follow Jesus but also keep my own needs? Can I follow Jesus and still also do what I want to do? And do you see, if you understand the character of who Jesus Christ is, that you cannot at the same time say that you will do what you want to do. Do you see how those two things are incompatible with one another? That if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over everything, then he knows your needs better than you, need, than you know yourself. That he, if he is Lord over everything, then that means that he knows exactly the things that you need better than anybody else in this world. That just as a father knows how much his daughter or his son is hurting, that as much as a father knows how much to take care of their child, how much more will our eternal father know exactly what you need? And so for us, as we come up to the Lord, that if we believe in who Jesus Christ is, that we have to come before him kneeling down and laying down all of our conditions. Is this your story as well, church? Is this what you are willing to do? And the reason I'm saying this is because for a lot of us, we can have the false idea that maybe we are following Jesus when in fact we're only saying that and we're just doing what we want and what we need. But what it means to really follow after Christ, what it it means to really imitate him, what it really means to become like him, It's to kneel down and to say to God, you know what, I'm going to do what you want me to do. That I'm going to lay down my needs, I'm going to lay down my desires, and I'm going to trust in you. That God, yes, I, I want this, I may want that, that there's this opportunity in front of me that I desire, but even if those things don't come about, that even if you want me to go in a different direction, I will follow and I will obey. And church, this is what the leper did. And so Jesus reaches out his hand. He touches him. And he says, I am willing. You are clean. At the end of this passage here, it says that, Jesus told the leper not to say anything. But the man went out and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer enter the city, but only stay in the desolate places. When I first read that, it felt so out of place. It felt so strange. But the more I studied it and the more I read it, I came to the realization that Mark would put this in here for one specific reason, and it's to foreshadow what was to come. You see, the leper was never allowed in the city. He was a complete outcast, and he was considered cursed and forsaken. You see, church, he was isolated in the wilderness. And yet, the moment he meets Christ, 
the minute he lays down his conditions, the minute he calls out to Jesus to save him, the minute that Jesus heals him, Jesus is the one who is taken out of the city. Jesus is the one who is no longer allowed within Jerusalem. Jesus is the one who is always put out in desolate places. You see, the leper has taken the place of Jesus. What a wonderful foreshadowing of what was to come. Because only a short while later, what we will see is that Jesus was cast out of the city and he was crucified on a cross outside. That he was put in the place where criminals were supposed to die. Where the worst of the worst were meant to be crucified, he took that place for us. Where we were supposed to die, he took that place. Where we were supposed to be forsaken, he was forsaken. Where we were supposed to be outcasted, he was outcasted. He took our sin so that we could be brought into the family of God, church. That is the story. Church, we are lepers. And we are unclean in every aspect. And no matter how hard we try to reach out to the Lord, no matter how hard we reach out for salvation, we can never fulfill it on our own. And yet the minute we meet Jesus Christ, the minute we lay down our conditions, the minute we accept him as our Savior and our Lord, he takes our place, he puts us up, and we are accepted as sons of the Most High God. Hallelujah, amen. He paid our price. And what a wonderful Savior. Church, Paul tells us here to imitate Christ. And now at this time, as we pray together, I just want to focus us on those two things that Jesus really pushed. Man, that as he lived his life, he prioritizes prayer and he does completeness in his healings. And for us also, as we move forward, I really hope that that's our story too, that we would really imitate Christ as well in that way. And so let's just pray together as one body as we follow after him, that we would become more like him as well. Let's pray. Let's pray now together, church, that we would really prioritize the Lord, that we would prioritize prayer. If there's an opportunity in your life, if there's a challenge in your life, that before you take one step further, that you would give it to the Lord. That before you do one more thing, that you would go out into the desolate place, that you would go out into stillness, and that you would pray to the Lord. Ask him for direction. I guarantee you that he will not pass over what he has called you to if you prioritize him over everything else. You get what I'm saying? Pray to the Lord. The second thing I want to ask for you is that as you look at your brothers and sisters, I want you to think about completeness of healing in their lives as well. How can you care for them in every aspect? Maybe some of you are doing such a good job caring for them physically. When was the last time you prayed for them? Some of you are so good at praying for others 
fasting for them? When was the last time that you cared for them physically or mentally or emotionally? As you pray right now, ask that the Lord would bring someone up in your heart. Ask that the Lord would bring someone up in your mind. And ask the Lord how you can care for them better. And lastly, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, Man, if this sermon has hit your heart in any way, if God is speaking to you in any way right now, what he is asking is for you to lay down your conditions. If you are tired of struggling, what he is asking is that you would run to him, kneel down and say, God, I want to be clean. Can you make me clean? And if you go before him, He will make you clean. So go before the Lord, pray to him, and let's pray together as one church, as one body before our Lord. Let's pray now.